0: Mike Bursick is offering retreats for entrepreneurs in the most spectacular places on earth. Wayfinders is up next on Veteran on the Move.
1: Welcome to Veteran on the Move. If you're a veteran in transition, an entrepreneur wannabe,
0: or someone still stuck in that J-O-B trying to escape, this podcast is dedicated to your success. And now, your host, Joe Crane. Getting a new car is exciting and you deserve a hassle-free buying experience. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union makes each step of the car buying process simple with all you need, all in one place. Find out more at NavyFederal.org. All right, welcome Mike Bursick to the show from Wayfinders. I've got a lot of entrepreneurial stuff. You've got a lot of background in entrepreneurship, um, extensive success in the business world. So looking forward to talking about all that. Take us back and uh, tell us what your background is and where you're coming from.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Joe. i um, excited to be here, by the way. Um, I, I love what you're doing and uh, I, think, I think it's fantastic. Um, I guess my, entrep- un- my entrepreneurial journey started many, many years ago. I'm now 52. Um, started when I was 23, I guess, two- 2004, I want to say, or maybe it was 2005. Jeez, it's been mm-hmm. a while. Um, <laughs> I graduated university and then moved out to a little uh, little ski town in the Canadian Rockies. That I, I didn't I didn't want to work in my, you know my university field. So I thought I'll just I'll just become a ski bum for a year and then I'll then I'll figure it out. And um, I probably got fired from my first three jobs, <laughs> and uh, and that was the, uh, that, the after that third one. That that was kind of the moment. It was like, geez, I'm a I'm a terrible employee, and I'm in this tiny little town uh, of six thousand people, and I think my reputation's pretty. <laughs> Pretty low right now, and I don't know who's going to hire me. And maybe, maybe doing my own thing is uh, is the path for me. So I ended up, I ended up, I, I really at the time I was really really into mountain biking. And this 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 town I lived in, beautiful you know Rockies mountain town, beautiful mountains, tons of trails everywhere, but um, pretty hard to find all these trails. And there was more and more tourists coming in, so I started a business. Just the, the idea was just take people, you know, guide them out on day trips on the local trails. Um that it was it was slow to take off it it wasn't until and I had a partner when we started up it took until our third year to really get some traction that was when we started doing week long overnight trips Uh long story short I ended up ended up growing that business uh over the course of 20 24 years I think it was okay. um I sold I sold it in February 2019 at the time we were in 45 countries uh around the world I had a team of 50 60 people working, we, we kind of had, had, uh, eked out this position at the top of the market, the most respected company in the industry. And, um, it was, uh, it was a, a great ride to to use the the pun, but, um,
0: Yeah. And that know. was a, an overnight, what was it? Overnight ski? Mountain, mountain bike trips. Oh, my, mountain, mountain bike trips. trips. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I was thinking so, cross country skiing, but so, uh, Mostly during, during the, the summer months or were you doing stuff in the winter too? Well, we,
1: we were all over the world. So we, you know, in the winter months we had trips in New Zealand, we had trips in Chile, oh, wow. you name it, you name it. We were, we were busy year round and, um, and, uh, yeah, around, around 2014, 2015, I kind of, I kind of took a, a good thing and I, and I messed with it and it was, uh, kind of this nice lifestyle business. And I was still getting out and, you know, I was traveling internationally with my bike and exploring all these regions. And then I decided that's not enough. And uh, I want to I want to throw some fuel on the fire and really grow this thing. And that's when I started raising money from investors and really expanding the team. And uh expanding to all kinds of new countries and, and stuff like that. And then within the span of a few years, I, I took this nice lifestyle business and turned it into this big complex juggernaut. And I spent most of my time writing shareholder reports and managing a big staff team and, you know, all that, all that kind of stuff. And I remember one day waking up and th- like thinking, I haven't been on my mountain bike in, in, you know, eight months or something like that. And, mm. and, uh and, and this isn't why I started the company. And that was part of, that was part of the, you know the beginning of uh, of the end for me for when I de- from when I decided to sell the business, but um, yeah. I, I learned so much in the process. So,
0: yeah, no kidding. So uh, that's kind of an interesting way you put it. I had this great thing going and I messed with it, uh, you know, <laughs> trying to turn it corporate or bring in investors, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, big lesson there. Yeah, you know, a lot of people they start off their business by raising money uh, by invest- They start out that way? Because some businesses require a lot of capital in the beginning. There's no way to get into without it.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I I think when, when, when I look back at, at those years, I, the, the big takeaway for me or the big lesson for me was to, I'd never really taken the time to understand why I wanted to scale the business. And I had, back in 2016, I had set this, uh, you know, to use the common language, BHAG, the big, hairy, audacious goal, that we wanted to be in 150 countries by 2021. So this was our, you know, our five-year plan. And that was, that was very aggressive and very ambitious. Yeah. And, and, but I never actually paused to ask myself, like, why is that important to me? And uh, it wasn't until later on when things got really stressful, really unenjoyable. Um, that that I started questioning that and and I realized a lot of that was just this quest for validation you know whether it was from my my entrepreneurial peers or whether it was from the industry or whatever and and probably you know some sense of validation that I maybe never got you know as a child or whatever to do all the psychological unpacking of it but um it 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 made me realize that and now with my current business I'm extremely intentional with what I do, how I do it. I I, I basically started with the end in mind. And, and I said, what kind of business do I want to run? What kind of lifestyle do I want? And how can I create a business around that? And it's so easy to get locked into that kind of hamster wheel. And that's the message we all get in the world of entrepreneurship, right? That's, that's what you do as an entrepreneur. You just scale, 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 yep. and you just grow, grow, grow. And I don't have anything against scale. But it's. I think it's important to understand the reasons why we do it. And if if we're doing it to stroke our own ego or if we need validation, I can tell you there's no there's no number you're going to hit and there's no size of company you're going to hit that's actually going to feed that thing. Because I know people running hundred million dollar companies, and you know they get to a million and it's like the next goal is ten million. They get to ten million, they're not satisfied. I got to get to a hundred million. And if you know if you're running a hundred million dollar company and and you've got thousands of staff at that point, like if you haven't gotten the, the, what you need out of it, you're probably not going to get it at, you know, a billion or 10 billion <laughs> or whatever. And, and it's time to ask like, what is it that I really want? Right. And so I, I try to start with the end in mind and, um, and, and it, it requires you to dig a little deeper.
0: Yeah. You know, for, for a lot of military folks coming out of the military, you know, some of us have, have an idea for a business and they they want to run with it. Some of us just know we don't want to work in the corporate America cube farm and business ownership seems like the next best alternative to doing that. But, you know, sometimes not having an idea for a business can be beneficial because you're open to new ideas. You can go work at a startup to get experience there, whatever it may be. And, you know, ha- sometimes having an idea, especially if it's a flawed idea, can uh, yeah. can be, can be, can be, uh, it could be a double-edged sword because you're, you're, you're sold on your idea. Nobody can convince you otherwise. And it's something that's really, you know, probably not going to work And There's no market for it, whatever it may be. Um,
1: uh, I, I think ideas can be, can be really, um, can be a, a real problem, right? Because uh-huh. I, I used to run entrepreneurship bootcamps for startup entrepreneurs and yeah. they'd, they'd all come in with these ideas. And it would take me a while to get through to them. Like the world doesn't give a rat's ass about your idea. <laughs> what, it, what, what people care about is that their problems are solved. And that's why they, you know, that's why yeah. they buy products and services to solve problems. And, and so, you know, I, I people need to let go of their ideas. The idea may, may be a great idea because it's actually in response to a, you know, a need that they see, but you need to focus on, you know, who's the customer, what's the need I'm solving. Yeah. And for me, with my, with my current business, it was solving my own need, which was my own need for, you know, strong connections with other entrepreneurs. Uh-huh. But I knew, that, I knew that there was a lot of uh, need out there uh, as well. And uh, so it wasn't about the idea. It was about how do I create something that serves this particular need?
0: Yeah. All right. We're going to take, take a quick break. Be right back. From start to finish, Navy Federal's Car Buying Center has everything you need to research, finance, buy, protect, and enjoy your next car. You can search for new and used cars, access vehicle history reports, and enjoy discounts on auto insurance and more. Now, if you have a new car, how about a new home to park it? Navy Federal has you covered there, too. They've made it their mission to help military members and their families tackle home ownership. With their new no-refi rate drop option, you can buy a home now, and if rates drop later, you could then lower your rate without refinancing. Plus, they offer offer mortgage options with zero down payment, so you don't need to wait years to save. At Navy Federal, are members of the mission. Find out more at NavyFederal.org. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, membership required, equal housing lender, open to the armed forces, the DOD veterans, and their families. Credit and collateral subject to approval, rates subject to change, and are based on credit worthiness. All right, back talking with Mike Bursick from Wayfinders. So last couple of years of the, of the mountain biking company, uh, you've covered a little bit about what's going, what's going on with that. Um, some overlap there. You came up with the idea for Wayfinders. So, what was the inspiration and motivation behind the concept of wayfinders?
1: Yeah. So those last few years of the, of, of the mountain bike company, like I said, I'd grown it quite a bit and um, it had become a big complex business far, far beyond, you know, what it had been a few, a few years before. And I was encountering all kinds of problems that I'd never encountered before. And so I decided to get my head out of my ass and get over my own hubris that I knew everything there was to know about entrepreneurship and developed a little bit of humility and started you know, reaching out to some mentors. I joined some entrepreneur groups like EO, uh, and I started attending these different entrepreneur events and uh, just to kind of up my, up my game a little bit and surround myself with other people. And what I saw was a lot of these events were, were pretty similar where it was really about a lot of information being dumped at you. So there'd be speakers and there'd be workshops and then another speaker, and another workshop, a networking break in the hallway, another speaker. And that was all really good. But the, the value that I got was the connections that I made with the other people, but the format was lousy for that. And so I wanted to create something where the starting point was connection. It's about connecting entrepreneurs and, and helping them build, you know, ideally lifelong friendships. And I knew, you know, from running the previous company, when you take people outside and you are doing challenging things together and having fun outside and pushing yourselves, that people tend to bond, right? And the military is probably an extreme example of that, right? And When you're in, yeah. when you're, you know I, I know, I know some veterans, when you're in combat and going through stuff like that together, it brings you, you know, you're really relying on each other and it brings you together tightly. Right. And uh, so I wanted to create something with that goal in mind. So my first event was just, I sent out an invite to a bunch of people I knew and said, Hey, I want to put together something in the Canadian Rockies. We're going to, it's all entrepreneurs. We're going to go mountain biking. We're going to do some hiking. We're going to do some rafting. We'll do some talks and workshops as well, but the focus is on having fun and and connecting. And so people responded really well to that. The first event sold out. Uh, People asked me to do more of them. And then I started doing them, you know, farther, farther flung locations. So, you know, events in Greenland and the Amazon jungle in the jungles of Africa, all all over the place. And, uh, so it's been, um, yeah, it's been an amazing journey since then.
0: Yeah. So it's wayfinders is getting entrepreneurs out there, team building, uh, not only self-reliance, but relying on groups and just those, those type of extreme type trips in very unique, cool places.
1: Yeah, that's, I mean, that's it in a nutshell. I also, I've really worked hard over the last few years to develop my skills as a facilitator. And I've done a lot of different trainings. And I'm trying to create a meaningful, both personal and community journey for the people who join. And so I create, you know, there's lots of exercises we do. And I create lots of opportunities for reflection and, you know, dialogue in small groups and stuff like that. And um, for, for a lot of these entrepreneurs you know, they're pretty, they're pretty driven. And a lot of their lives are just like, go, 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 go. And they don't often take the time to pause and say, hey, like, you know, if, I, if I'm climbing the ladder of success, am I leaning on the right house here? Like, what you know, what am I doing? And sometimes, you know, a lot of these people, they put so much focus on their business that other aspects of their lives have, have really suffered in the process. So these events are kind of an opportunity to just like reset and go like far, far away from your typical environment yeah. and, and just like pause, reflect, do some fun, cool shit together. And, um, and create some really tight bonds with other people who are going through the same thing.
0: And this is definitely primarily for entrepreneurs to get together with other entrepreneurs, not, not like a corporate team building where everybody from the same company comes on one of these events.
1: Yeah. It's all, it's all people who own their own companies.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's, that's very, it's unique and very beneficial because entrepreneurship can be very lonely. Um, if you're the entrepreneur and you're running, you're running the company, whether you got five employees or 50 or 100, you're, you're the driving force behind everything and the visionary. And you're, if you have a lot of employees surrounding you with employee type mindsets, which you need those, of course, the concept of entrepreneurship and the way you look at things can be very lonely and it's hard to find other entrepreneurs you can collaborate with or even uh, cons- consult with or confide in.
1: Yeah, 100%. And, you know, a, a lot of the, when I get people who come to my events who've never really um, kind of plugged into other entrepreneur communities or whatever, they they say it's like, wow, this is an incredible breath of fresh air. Like, people understand me and they, you know, they might not have, they might not have anybody and, they're, you know, their friends who are just working regular jobs or whatever, they're not, you know, they're not up at three o'clock in the morning thinking about how to make payroll next week or, you know, all these problems like they, they clock in and clock out. And so, you know, people will come to me and say like, wow, like it's so it's so awesome to be around people who understand, you know, what I'm going through and, and we share the same struggles and we can talk about them. So yeah. that's that's a big, big part of the value is just being around your peers. So can you talk
0: in the very beginning of Wayfinders? how you took it from a concept to, to reality and put it into action. Maybe, maybe the, the first meeting or the first trip, how did that work?
1: Yeah, well, I was, like I said, I was already part of a, a few entrepreneur communities. And so I had a, I had a pretty big network, um, to reach out to. And then I also, um, I also had a reputation, you know, people knew that I was in the adventure travel industry and they knew I was a, a pretty big adventure kind of guy and that uh, I had some business acumen and knew what I was doing. And so um, I I put together kind of the bare bones of this idea and said, Hey, it's going to be five days. We'll be in the Rockies, you know, having fun and some content and workshops and stuff like that as well. Um, And so all I did was just send out some invites to people in my network and um, it it resonated. And um, it was kind of amazing because the, the, the website, I just, I put it up. Uh, I spent a weekend putting together the website, just a squarespace website started sending out invites the next uh the next week. By the end of that week, I probably had half of those spots filled and this was you know not a cheap event. it was like in the order of five or six grand and uh so that was the quickest and I've had like other little mini businesses and ideas and stuff along the way, but this was the quickest from you know concept to execution and validation uh I'd ever seen so that was yeah. That was pretty, that was pretty exciting to get the idea validated.
0: Yeah. No kidding. And you're, you're already doing uh, extreme type mountain bike trips all over the world or organizing them. So similar concept, but the focus was not mountain biking. The focus was connection and community and people. So you had to, you had to tweak that a little bit.
1: Yeah. I mean, it wasn't a huge stretch. Right. And I, and I knew, and I knew the mountain biking part would, was, uh, a little bit of a, a hurdle because not everybody's into mountain biking, right? And so the events that I run now, there might be, you know, there might be half a day of mountain biking or it might be optional if people want to do it. Or most of the time I, t- I tend to favor activities where people can still talk and connect. And so we do a lot of hiking and trekking and stuff like that, or whitewater rafting whatnot. Um, but, um, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, you know, looking back, it was it was uh, quite <laughs> it's quite the journey from there from there to here to go from just kind of an idea to you know my, my events now often sell out like a year year and a half in advance because uh, I've um, developed a reputation now and yeah. Um, so yeah,
0: you have a lot of repeat customers.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I'm going to Mongolia in October, and there's 30 of us going, and only two of those are new new customers. <laughs> the the, the That's other 28 a are repeat too, huh? Yeah, yeah, man. So,
0: what's it like organizing and conducting a trip like that with entrepreneurial-minded people?
1: Uh, Well, it's it's interesting. You know, all those people are used to running their own companies, right? And so they're used to being in control. (laughs) One of the one one of the things I do on my events is I keep the itinerary almost you know almost a complete secret. So if I say you know like I just got back a couple weeks ago from Uganda and say, Hey, we're going to the jungles of Uganda. Uh, you know, and I tell them, I tell them, we're going to see the mountain gorillas cause that's kind of a big drawing card, mm-hmm. but other than that, they have no idea. Um, and you know, they get a detailed prep list and a detailed packing list. You know, this is everything that you should bring, but they have no idea what, what, um, what's going to be happening, happening on any given day. And so, you know, what I do is uh, the night before I put up a list, say, this is what you need to wear tomorrow. This is what you need to bring. And the rest of it's going to be a big old mystery. And uh, so that that's, and I do that for a couple of reasons. One, because uh, I, I really believe in surprises when, you know, when, when people, if I tell somebody about an experience we're going to have, they're going to form a mental picture of it. And whether that yeah. experience is good or bad, if it doesn't match up to their mental picture, there's, there might be some disappointment. The other is that entrepreneurs are, like I said, they they like to control everything. They're used to like making their own reality. Right. and And, um, and sometimes in life we need to release, release that sense of needing to control everything. And, uh, and that in itself, I, and I've heard time and time again from the people that come is a really valuable thing for them to learn and to let go of. And, and there's, you know, there's this one guy, I remember we were in Greenland a couple of years ago and he he kept coming up to me. He's like, I gotta, I gotta know what we're doing today. Like I need to make plans and I need to do all this stuff. Like (laughs) you gotta, you gotta tell me what we're doing. It's driving me crazy. And I I just resisted him and, and, uh, and he kept at it. And then by day four, he came to me. He's like, wow, I I just want to thank you. I had a, I had a, I had a big epiphany last night and I just realized, you know, how much of my life is spent trying to control everything around me and how stressful that is. Because I can't control everything, and I just had this big release, and i'm totally I'm totally ready to just submit to whatever you have in store for us and uh so anyways, it's kind of like a tug of war sometimes, you know, with all these type As and whatnot, but I also try and create an environment where it's just it's just really open, and people can be themselves and vulnerable, and they can you know all the responsibilities and stuff they have at home, they can leave that behind, and we can just connect as human beings.
0: yeah, yeah, so. Yeah. That, that was what I was really curious about. So yeah, entrepreneurs are definitely used to controlling the situation all the time. And, um, just that natural personality. I mean, some people are just that way. I mean, I will go out boating and stuff and the, we get people in the boat trying to tell me how to run the boat and, and yeah, yeah. they're not even the ones driving the boat. It's like, <laughs> and I think that's, you know, that sometimes that comes naturally with, with some people. Um, they, they feel they have to be in control. Um, I think that's one thing in the military people get used to is you know, we always say that in order to be a good leader someday, you have to learn how to be a good follower. So everybody has to know their role, stay in your lane, know your role. Um, if if you, you you get to practice being a good follower first, then you can become a leader. Oftentimes you don't understand how to be a good leader until you've been in charge once and seen what a problem it is to get people to follow or keep people in their lane. So in the military, you get to practice both sides of that all the time. Yeah. You work your way up one ladder and you get to the top and then you get promoted or you change jobs or units and boom, you go back to the bottom. And so you're constantly leader, follower, leader, follower, all the way up, all the way up throughout your your career. So you get used to playing those different roles and being in your, being in your place. And sometimes when you find, when you you find yourself being, being back to being a snuffy, somebody else is in charge. You learn how to support them, and just and go along with what the leadership's telling you to do because you know that's ultimately the best for the for the group or the or the unit or the mission. Yeah. Um, what else can you tell us about Wayfinders? Like, what what are some of the things you're finding that, that come out of this? Um, the, the benefits, like when, when people go back to running their businesses after one of your events what's some of the feedback you get when, when they return to normalcy?
1: Well, you know, one of the biggest things that I'm trying to achieve or or biggest outcomes I'm trying to help them create is clarity and, and create a context for them, whether that's, you know, whether that's through a journaling exercise that we do or whether it's through a group dialogue exercise or something else, you know, Mm Uh, I'm I'm not averse to just dumping people uh, on their own in the jungle and just you you know we'll come back for you in three hours yeah. and see what and see what happens. Um, but I'm trying to I'm trying to help people tap into their inner wisdom, and I and I come at it from a, a default of we we already we already have the internal resources the wisdom to answer you know our, our biggest questions and our biggest challenges it's just that we we don't trust it or we don't know how to access it and so a lot of my work is trying to get people to to tap into that and and get through some of the biggest struggles that they've been having and usually it's because they've been kind of trying to solve the whole thing up here right in their head they're trying to intellectually grind their way through a problem and sometimes you have to just like drop into your body or drop into your heart and just like really feel into feel into it um you know whether that's an issue with your business or an issue with your relationship with your partner or you know the path you're on in life or whatever those are hard issues to just think your way through and so i take people through a process of like accessing different sources of wisdom to be able to get that clarity and then the follow-up to that is giving people this support and the accountability when they get home so that they can follow through on that, because sometimes that clarity comes, and it's the follow through the follow through is really difficult, yeah. right um, and then you get back home and then fear takes over, ego takes over or whatever, and you don't do anything with it, right? And so at my events, I break people up into smaller groups, typically three or four, and a lot of our exercises will take place in those groups, and then uh, encourage people to stay in touch with their group and and you know, and I give them certain uh, action things towards the end of the event that they can take home and then use their small group for accountability, for support to, uh, to, to, you know, to keep moving on those things when they get back home. And, um, and it's not necessarily just like big things. It could be one small thing that they haven't taken action on, you know, in months or years, something like that. But there's, I, there's just a lot of power in the, in, in the group, whether it's the whole group or whether it's the small group, there's something amazing that comes through that, that power, excuse me, that power of the collective. And so I try to harness that as much as I can and, and also encourage people to like to, you know, to bring that into their lives back home and doesn't just have to be with the other people there. But I talk a lot about like how I'm very intentional about my network, about the people I spend time with about, you know, my relationships, my connection, that's, that's, you know, probably my biggest focus in life is just being very intentional about my relationships and my network and staying in touch with the people I want to stay in touch with.
0: Wow. What kind of data can you share with us? Like, uh, how many trips you guys, Wayfinders has done and, you know, total number of people that have gone on those trips over over the last few years. Can you share any of that info?
1: Sure. Yeah. My first trip was September, 2017. And, uh, and so I've done, Two a year since then. Uh, I mean, COVID was obviously a little bit of an interruption, but I ended up just postponing those trips. So yeah. uh, last November, November 2022, I actually just finished a run of five events in 13 months, but it's two a year. So I don't know what the math is uh, on that. Sounds like probably around around 10 events yeah. uh, that I've done, usually around 20 to 25 people uh, per event. And so I don't know the total number of people because there's a lot of repeats in there. So it's a pretty tight, small, small community. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I, because when, went, you know, I talked in the be- beginning about being very intentional about the type of business that I wanted to run and the, the type of life that I wanted to have around it. Um, I kind of re- reverse engineered it. and I started with a premise of uh, I want to earn a good living for my family. I don't want to work too hard know, 20 to 30 hours a week max. And, um, I don't want any staff because I didn't like, you know, I had a big staff team with my previous business. So I didn't, I didn't like that. Yeah. I kind of broke that rule by hiring a full-time VA a couple of months ago, but that's, that's been a big help. Um, and, um, so yeah, it, I, I earn a very nice living just running two events a year, typically don't work more than 15, 20 hours a week. Um, I have to, and I put, I put the vast majority of my time into, into providing value for my customers. And so, and, and I really don't do any marketing as a result because I get high repeat numbers and I, and I get high referral numbers. And, you know, back when I used to run those entrepreneur bootcamps, they, you know, people would come in and they'd always want to, they'd always want to talk about marketing and uh, and I'd say, you know, let's not talk about marketing yet. Let's talk about the customer. Let's talk about their need. Let's talk about how you're gonna solve that. And let's talk about how you're gonna do that better than anybody else. Because if you can do that, you, you know, your need for marketing goes way down. But if you are not delivering an amazing service, then you just have to spend more and more money on marketing uh, to overcome the fact that people don't wanna keep doing business with you, right? And so (laughs) for, for me, marketing is just keep putting time into providing value for people. And then they do the marketing for you. And uh, so that's, yeah, yeah, like I, you know, I just, I just announced my 2024 events uh, last month. And I'm, I think I have two spots left and that's, you know, sold out to the end of 2024. And that's just because, um, you know, I put, I put time into providing value for people. And, And when I come at it from that perspective, rather than how can I make lots of money for myself or whatever, I, I end up doing pretty well in the process. That's
0: awesome you plan on scaling that?
1: <laughs> well, th- that's a, that's a really interesting question. Um, I have up until now resisted that, that yeah. call because again, I've got a good thing going, why mess with it? Like I did with my last business. Right. Um, and, and I also have three kids. I have two 12 year olds and a 15 year old. And so, you know, my, t- my time is limited with them around the house. So I'll, I want to make sure I'm available for them. Right. Um, the, the big, the big project actually for the last couple of years, my wife and I have been talking a lot about this, is buying a a wilderness property and building out a retreat center.
0: Nice.
1: And that that would be somewhere where I could do like shorter versions, you know, more local Mm -hmm. versions of what I do internationally and just a place where people can come and connect and and heal and just, you know, um, reconnect with themselves and with others. So that's in terms of any sort of scaling, that's probably where the focus is going to go. And we've got most of the capital raised for that, but down the road as my kids are older or out of the house, you know, I can definitely see myself running more events. I, I love, I love running those events, but I don't want to be away from my family that long. So.
0: Awesome. Yep. Great, great philosophy. Great way of looking at things. So, uh, all right, Mike, uh, we're going to give you the last word. Oh, I do need to ask you, where do we find Wayfinders? Are we want to get more info or check out one of your trips.
1: Sure. It, the website is way finders.com. Uh, w A Y finders.com. And, uh, that's, yeah, that's where you'll find all the info you need.
0: Awesome. So if you're, uh, talking to the military audience, veterans, somebody on the way out of the military, looking to get involved in entrepreneurship, they want to run their own business, don't really want to do the corporate America thing, the J O B when it comes to entrepreneurship, what kind of advice comes to mind?
1: Well, you know, I, I'm a little bit contrarian like there's a lot of people who say you, you know you got to burn the ships and like quit your job and just go all in yeah and i know people have done that and it's really stressful and uh i'm actually a big fan of the side hustle It's like keep you know keep that stable job going carve out carve out some time just do it consistently even if it's only half an hour a day or 15 minutes a day or whatever like i, I wrote an entire book a couple of years ago just by doing 20 minutes of writing every day for a year wow and,, because uh, I know I can't like sit down and write for five hours, right? right. And, but if you know if you've got an idea, if you see I, I, you know we talked about the the peril of ideas. If you see a need, uh, if you identify a need out there and you feel that you can develop something to to serve that need, then there's there's nothing wrong with just having a side hustle work on it, twenty minutes a day or a couple hours a week or whatever, and just consistently just day after day consistently spend some time on it and uh, and work on that. And then, hopefully the time will come where, you know, that's taken off enough, you get to the point where you can leave that job. But, um, you know, just leaving the job and going all in on some idea that's not tested, uh, that's stressful. And, uh, and it's hard. And there's, there's no shame in keeping that job and just working that side hustle. And, uh, but the key is just do it consistently. Just, you know, even if it's 15 minutes a day, just set aside 15 minutes and work on that thing. Find your first few customers, deliver an amazing product, and then They'll help you find the next batch of customers.
0: Awesome. Well, hey, Mike, thanks for sharing your entrepreneurial success stories, multiple stories in your entrepreneurial journey and look forward to seeing the future success of Wayfinders.
1: Thank you, Joe. I appreciate you and everything you do. Thank you. All right. We are out.
0: Thank you for listening to Veteran on the Move, your
1: pathfinder
0: to freedom. If you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are always greatly appreciated. So until next time, This veteran is Oscar Mike.